So we added some special religious art to the sanctuary today. You'll never guess what I'm talking about. It's because today we celebrate Divine Mercy Sunday. In the early 1900s, there was a young Polish nun named Sister Faustina Kowalska who began to experience visions of Jesus. And in these visions, she appeared as Jesus is represented in the, in the image behind me. And he asked her to begin to pray this little chaplet, Divine Mercy Chaplet, calling upon God's mercy on the whole world. And he asked her to pray a novena, beginning on Good Friday and ending on the Saturday before the second Sunday of Easter, so yesterday. And in, in Poland, this devotion was very popular, and so the new young Archbishop Karol Wojtyła became a big fan of this. And when he eventually became Pope John Paul II, he first beatified St. Faustina, I believe it was in 1983, and then in the year 2000 canonized her as a saint of the church and also added this feast to the universal liturgical calendar. So now every Catholic church throughout the world celebrates today Divine Mercy Sunday. And it's fitting that we celebrate Divine Mercy right after our celebration of Easter because Easter is not just some display of God's power, not just a celebration of his victory. God's not interested in simply showing off. He certainly could have done that many, many times in the life of Jesus. And maybe the only time where Jesus came kind of close to showing off his divinity a little bit, other than all his miracles, obviously, was the transfiguration. But even that moment, Jesus only allowed three of his closest apostles to witness that. And it wasn't because he was trying to show off, but because he knew the great difficulty they were about to experience, and it was to strengthen their faith. So Easter is not about any of those things. Easter, above all, is about God's mercy. The death and resurrection of Jesus shows us just how far God is willing to go to save us. And today, in our gospel, we hear another example of God's mercy. Thomas, the doubter. I always feel kind of bad for Thomas because even though all the disciples abandoned Jesus, even though Peter betrayed him, Thomas is the only one that gets that special adjective added to his name. Like, we don't call Peter the betrayer, and yet somehow Thomas is always the doubter. But in any case, Thomas doubted. He refused to believe, and he makes this bold statement, unless I put my finger in the nail marks in his hands and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. And so you can imagine the thoughts running through Thomas's mind when he's back with the apostles again a week later, and who shows up? Jesus. Uh-oh. But Jesus did not condemn him, was not harsh with him, even though he had plenty of reason to at that point. He simply, gently encourages Thomas to believe. He says, come, Thomas, place your finger in the nail marks and your hand in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. So I just have three points I want to focus on for divine mercy. The first is that this belief in the mercy of God is core to our faith. 
God is not a God of destruction. He does not will the death of anyone. God is a God of mercy and love and faithfulness. And this is something that not all world religions believe. This is something unique to the the Christian Judeo understanding of who God is. It's no mistake that the most famous verse in the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that any who believe in him might not perish but might have eternal life. And the second point about mercy is that you cannot understand mercy without also understanding the reality of sin. If sin is not real, then we do not need mercy. If sin is not real, then Jesus' death on the cross was a complete waste of time. But sin is real. And because it is real, we are desperately in need of God's mercy. Apart from God, we would have no hope. Apart from the death and resurrection of Jesus, we would have nothing to look forward to other than death and eternal destruction in hell. Sometimes people comment on how often we talk about sin here at St. Pat's. But the truth is, if we fail to understand sin, so many other areas of our faith begin to crumble and make no sense whatsoever. God comes to us to save us because we need him. And that's why he is merciful. And thirdly, God's mercy requires a response. Sometimes I think we can treat God's mercy like a get out of jail free card. And you can do whatever you want. You can live your life as you please. And then finally at the last moment just use that, that token of, of mercy and you'll just be off the hook. But this is not what we believe as Christians, and this is not how Jesus chooses to reveal himself. Over and over again throughout the Gospels, whenever Jesus extends his mercy, he at the same time invites that person to turn away from sin, to respond to his gift of mercy. So for example, in Luke chapter 15, the parable of the, 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 parable of the prodigal son the son takes all of his wealth from his father. He squanders it in a life of sin. And eventually he finds himself in a place of tremendous destitution, a time of famine. And he's so desperate that he's feeding pigs, which for Jews would have been the worst thing you could possibly do because pigs are unclean. They make you ritually unclean. And in that moment, he comes to his senses and decides to return to his father and ask for mercy. And that's not a mistake that Jesus tells the parable in that way. The son had to respond to the gift of God's mercy and come to him and ask for it. Or in John chapter 8, when the woman is caught in adultery and all the priests and leaders are ready to stone her, Jesus mysteriously begins to write on the ground and so the leaders begin to just drop their stones and leave until finally it's just the woman and Jesus left. And Jesus says... Where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. And neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. 
When John chapter 5, when Jesus heals the cripple who'd been there for 38 years, unable to walk, there's a pool of Siloam and it would get stirred up once a year by an angel and anyone who touched the water would be cured. But it seemed to be you had to be the first one there because he says other people would get there first because he was a cripple and so he wouldn't be healed. So imagine that, 38 years of being crippled and Jesus heals him. And at the end of that healing he says, Go and sin no more, that nothing worse may befall you. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1864, says this. There are no limits to the mercy of God, but anyone who deliberately refuses to accept his mercy by not repenting rejects the forgiveness of his sins and salvation. Such hardness of heart can lead to final impenitence and eternal loss. So yes, God's mercy is endless. His invitation is wide open. But if we refuse to respond to this gift, we cut ourselves off from the mercy of God our Father. And we bring condemnation upon ourselves. But God does not want that. He wants each one of us to come to faith like Thomas, who says, my Lord and my God. The end of our gospel, it says that these words are written that you may come to believe in Jesus, that he is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief, you may have life in his name. This is what God wants for us, all of us to have faith in him, to receive his great gift of mercy. Now, I know that many of us have been struggling to have faith, especially this last year. More than any of the other years that I've been a priest, I've heard so many of you share of your struggles with all that has been going on in our country and all the corruption in our politics, all the difficulty in the church, difficulties in our families. It's hard to have hope sometimes. And if you know anything about the life of St. Faustina, she did not have an easy life. I think sometimes we can water down this divine mercy uh, devotion to just make it seem like this nice, floofy little thing we do because we're just super devout. St. Faustina had a difficult life. She ran away from her family, basically, because she felt this call to become a sister. And she went throughout Poland and was trying to find a convent that would allow her to enter. And all of them would say no because she was so poor. But she kept persevering and finally she found a convent that said, you can enter our community, but only if you have enough money to pay for your own habit, the, the garments they wear. And so she had to work for close to a year to save up enough to pay for her habit. And at a young age, she contracted tuberculosis and this was what eventually took her life. She was only 33 years old when she died. And right at the very end of her life, she predicted the horrible, the horrible things that were to come, especially in Poland during the Second World War. So she knew how difficult life could be. And so this beautiful devotion, this trusting in God's mercy was all the more needed in her life and in the world in her days. And it's the same today, isn't it? We absolutely need 
God's mercy upon us all. And so today Jesus invites us to reject the fear, to reject the doubts of the evil one, and instead to say, Jesus, I choose to believe. Jesus, give me hope. Jesus, I trust in you.